Welcome to the Exponential Minds Podcast. The research, development, launch, and growth of new technologies is creating incredible momentum in the modern world. Join futurist Nicholas Badminton as he talks with the innovators and the exponential minds that are tackling some of the biggest problems and creating solutions that are propelling humanity to the next level. Hello and welcome to the Exponential Minds podcast. My name is Nicholas Badminton. I'm a futurist. I help my clients look out 5, 10, 20 plus years into the future so they can start designing more resilient and and better strategic planning and envision uh, those risks that are difficult to see by applying strategic foresight. And today on the podcast, I'm incredibly excited to chat to my friend Oksana Andreuk. Uh, Oksana is a biotechnology scientist, biohacker, and a futurist. She founded Canadian Biohacker with a mission of bringing health optimization and anti-aging science to the mainstream. She's also a strategist at Click Health, one of the top marketing and commercialization agency partners to global life sciences organizations. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Genetics and Biology and a Master of Biotechnology from the University of Toronto. Oksana has a long-standing interest in the applications of biotechnology to optimize health and performance, and she believes the future of healthcare lies in disease prevention, as well as delaying and maybe even reversing the aging process, ultimately extending health span and lifespan. And Oksana, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you today about something close to my heart, biohacking, and uh, about your journey of how you, you know, got to this stage in your life and th- this focus. Thanks so much for having me, Nick, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. I'm so excited to uh, be on the podcast today. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Oksana, we always start with our guests like telling us a little bit about their story. You know, you know where did you start uh, with, with your biohacking journey and, and where are you with it today? Yeah, I can definitely talk about that. It's, uh, I think it's been a long time in the making. I've always been a sci-fi nerd growing up. And so I've always been interested in technology and technology innovation. And with a background in genetics and, and biotech, Again, um, I've always been interested in sort of the applications of biotech to optimize our health, our performance, but with a special interest in longevity because, and maybe we'll talk about this later, but uh, many people biohack for different reasons. And my reason is to live healthier for longer. And uh, a few years ago, I came across uh, the whole field of longevity science research and my mind was blown by all the incredible research that was happening in the space that was primarily privately funded up until a couple of years ago um, when the World Health Organization updated the International Code of Diseases for the first time since 1983 to add aging related as a code, which really opened the doors to public funding and accelerated the field even further. Um, And today longevity is projected to reach 27 trillion by 2025. So, I mean, this is a very real space and we can very much expect to see longevity therapeutics approved on the market for, you know, human consumption and use within our lifetime. And so knowing that I started thinking, well, what can I do today to keep myself in that peak primal 
optimal state to take full advantage when those longevity therapeutics do come in the market that will promise to slow down or even reverse the aging process. Um, and so that got me interested in biohacking. And I discovered that, you know, there were so many biohacking events and even conferences happening all over the world. And so that led me to start the biohacking longevity TO meetup group in Toronto, which quickly became Toronto's first and largest biohacking meetup group event. And we've really seen interest grow in biohacking because I think there is an increased interest in disease prevention and optimizing our health right now. Um, I think especially with the last year and, and the pandemic as well. So that's, that's what really excites me. But, you know, there's the fundamental um, aspects of biohacking, which is, you know, how you're sleeping, how you're eating, the nutrition, your mental health. But being having a biotechnology background, I'm also very much interested in the applications of technology to continue to optimize us beyond, you know, potentially even human limits. So that's what I really nerd out on. And I think my first um, sort of biohacking experiment for myself was getting rid of my insomnia, which I've experienced since high school, friends with my family, um, and I think a struggle for many. Um, and I was in that vicious cycle of, you know, guzzling coffee and sleeping five to six hours a day, and our bodies are very adaptive, right? And so you may think you're um, operating at a good state, but you don't know how much better you can feel if you're getting that proper quality sleep. So that was my first biohacking experiment. I completely got rid of my insomnia, which was amazing and really optimized my deep sleep and REM sleep scores. Um, and that, you know, of course, led me to further um, explorations in biohacking after that. That, that's really fascinating and I obviously uh, I, I know you've spoken at Dark Futures before and you spoke about um, uh, similar technologies and, and you also if you follow uh, Oksana on on Instagram and, and and in social you sort of see you know some of these experiments you share you share you know what's what you're doing and how, how things are operating and it's interesting to me I mean you you, you mentioned uh, what the, the longevity therapeutics market is going to be 27 trillion dollars. That's what they're projecting. Yeah. For, 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 for which for which year there, Oksana? Uh, 2025. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So so that's huge considering yeah. that the, the, <laughs> if, you, if you look at the global economy like as, as a whole, it's probably about $110 trillion. That's a significant piece of the pie, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think many people don't realize just how massive and rapidly accelerating this industry is. I mean, there are over 130 longevity biotechnology companies right now. There are over 50 anti-aging drugs in clinical trials. There's an increasing number of longevity-focused VC funds as well. Not only venture capital funds that you know invest in longevity biotech as part of their overall portfolio, but specifically focus on only investing in longevity-focused companies, which is incredible. That that's absolutely incredible. I mean, this is this is the old adage of uh, like everyone wants to live forever, and you know it, it's 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 very much been fetishized uh, down in Silicon Valley in a way. I, I mean, I got into biohacking back in the day, and it was more about you know pe pe people that I knew in the community. They were they were, they were microdosing LSD mm -hmm. and mescaline and and psilocybin. Um, they they were looking at, at that side of things, and and for me, I've I've sort of moved into 
sort of a neuropsychological um, sort of approach of you know healing the inner child doing breath work mm-hmm. and doing some of that epigenetic stuff but this is fascinating to me i haven't really spent a lot of time looking at this at this market and and i've, I've got terrible insomnia <laughs> as well so i'd like <laughs> yeah. to like deal with some of this and I, I i should know better on a lot of behaviors like technology in the bedroom and, and mm-hmm. whatever but um I, I really want to understand, you know, on a daily basis, what, what do you do and, and how did you make the decision to do that um, to, just to maintain this sort of optimal life? <laughs> oh, we could spend a whole podcast talking about that, well, I feel like, it. but I'll give, uh, yeah, I mean, you know what, it, it started, as I said, with um, tackling the insomnia, which um, included a lot of uh, sleep hygiene, um, practices um, and of course you know technology to help track um, the results as well Um, there are so many so much tech to help with relaxation and stress management um, and sort of things you can optimize in your environment in the bedroom um, air quality temperature things like that Um, so there are various steps you can take but just on a daily basis I mean you have to take care of the foundations like optimizing your sleep which is number one and there's a great book by matthew walker why we sleep which i always recommend to everyone um because there are a lot of i think misconceptions around the importance of sleep and it literally affects all our physiological processes and the mental to living a longer life Um, But aside from that, you know, how you're exercising and moving, getting that movement throughout the day, um, there are different forms of exercise. But for example, high intensive interval training has been shown to provide the best ROI for sort of time and energy spent versus the results that you see on a physiological level. Um, And then otherwise, you know, stress management, meditation, deep breathing, as you mentioned, cold showers. Um, listening to binaural beats is great as well for for sort of calming down the nervous system. Um, so you start to look at those five fundamental pillars and and start to optimize going from there. So sleep, nutrition, exercise, mental health, and your environment. Um, and there are a lot of things that you can do naturally. And I talk about this as well. Just you know the free biohacks that anyone can do. But aside from that, we now have so much technology that can help us do that and help us bring that to the next level. Um, And that's what really jazzes me up, having a biotech uh, background. And I love, love checking out new gadgets and and seeing how they work. Um, There's a lot of exciting tech that's coming on the market. And as you mentioned, neuroscience as well. Um, This is a huge growing space, neurotech. um, And I find it really exciting. So, so yeah, let's get into that neurotech. It seems like there's tons of people out there. They, they've got an app for this, an app for that. Obviously, you know, Calm is a huge app, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got Headspace and you've got all of these things. And they, they were sort of in the shadows, I think, about five years ago. And and they're, they're sort of very front and center. And you've even got Headspace on, on airplanes now. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's part of normal programming. <laughs> Uh, and so, so it's starting to sort of seep it seep into to, to being used. But I mean, what what's the most exciting sort of technology that you think is is being developed right now? And how do you think that's going to sort of develop over time? 
So it's looking into neurospace, there, there are so many gadgets that are coming on the market and uh, they tend to target different things sometimes, but there, there are a couple of tech that can help um, create that baseline for how your brain is functioning right now. So a couple of years ago, um, I did have my brain scanned at the Peak Institute in, um, Peak Brain Institute in LA. Right. Um, and that was fascinating. And I, I wrote a detailed blog post about that and the results and how the whole process went and what I learned about my brain and, and how it functions. Um, there's also Brain uh, Gauge that is a direct to consumer product that you know anyone can buy if you don't have access to a clinic um, that will give you a score as well on your cognitive performance. And when you have that baseline, it is that much easier to then track and measure over time improvements or even what's negatively impacting you, whether it's, you know, diet or jet lag or, you know, someone experienced head trauma and they're um, going through recovery, even neurodevelopmental conditions or ADHD um, effects of brain fog or migraine. So using this device, you can really start to see what's affecting the way that your brain functions. Um, so that's, that's a couple of things that you can use to sort of create that baseline of a, a holistic view of your brain health. And then there are devices that are looking to tap into your nervous system to affect it in various ways. So a popular um, research area is transcranial direct current stimulation and transcranial magnetic stimulation right. as well. So, you know, with both of these, they were originally mostly used to treat um, uh, mental conditions like just, uh, depression or PTSD or, um, you know, where, where people are suffering on a daily basis, whereas now we're looking at these devices on how can they optimize our brain function um, just on an everyday level. So something like Plato work um, by Plato Science is the company, but they developed this transcranial direct current stimulation device that I have personally <laughs> to specifically target um, cognitive enhancement. So they have four different settings to boost your creativity and help generate new ideas. There's a setting for focus, which helps limit distractions. Um, there is a learning set setting if you're trying to absorb new information and you know boost memory of that information. Um, and then there's a problem solving setting. So if you've been working on a problem and you just, you know, you, you've hit that point where you just can't think of anything else, um, then putting on a device like this can just help stimulate those areas of the brain to help you come up with a different solution, which I think is very fascinating. Um, and then another TDCS device, which was actually first to market is um, Halo Neuroscience. Yeah. Um, and they tested it first with elite athletes. Um, and I think, you know, initially these devices were mostly accessed by um, elite athletes. Um, but why not make it available to the rest of the public, which is, you know, what's happening now that I think is really exciting. But Halo focused their TDCS device on optimizing um, physical performance. So while wearing that device, you may be practicing a different skill set, um, whether that's you know related, you know, 
shooting hoops for basketball or <laughs> a different workout or even playing the piano is something where you know you're using your body um, and learning a new skill so their device really targets those areas of the brain um, that have to do with movement to help you learn those new skills yeah it's interesting i tried the halo uh, um headphones right it's a headset uh, Headset, yeah. How yeah, was it? Like three years ago. Um, so I was in San Francisco and I, I was filming the Smart Drugs documentary that I did, which was uh, more on the side of, of trying out, uh, you know, smart drugs and, uh, you know, nootropics and those kinds of things. But yeah, it, it was interesting. Um, it was more interesting when they did experiments with me before and they, they, they had me in an elaborate sort of more, more like a laboratory setting with a head with not not with their like commercial headset but more with something where they could set it. And they, they got me running through some exercises that they did with, you know, uh, astronauts at NASA. And obviously mm -hmm. it was about focus and attention and perception, a whole bunch of different things. And it was really, really strong. I've had a lot of friends doing the transcranial direct current stimulation. It it also feels that, you know, that that's pretty scary for a lot of people. I think yeah, a, lot of the, for a, lot, sure. a, a lot of the biohacking, it's... It's distinctly un unhuman to be picking up these technologies and, <laughs> and thinking that we can influence it. But, but I mean, what you found and people in the biohacking sphere have found is, you know, we're, we're just a platform and, you know, we can tune ourselves like we tune a car. Exactly. Um, so, so that it can last longer, um, look better, be better. And, you know, it, some of the basics aren't even uh, put into place. I mean, I, I slip on all of these things in terms of sleep and nutrition or whatever. I try and eat well. I sleep terribly. Um, exercise is, is always a challenge. So it, it's kind of su super interesting. When we go into this sort of neuro space, it's sort of exploding in, in investments and, and whatever. But I, I sort of wonder... How much longer can we truly live? So, so for example, Oksana, say mm -hmm. if you followed the research and you followed everything by the book, and let's, let's baseline with what's available today. How do you know if you, you're living longer? Yeah, so that's a great question. And um, I don't think anyone has an exact, you know, direct answer right now. Um, time will tell. Yeah. But there, there is exciting research happening to target various hallmarks of aging um, and various rejuvenation strategies. I don't think it's going to be just a single pill or a single therapeutic that you right. will take and, and live longer. It's going to be a combination of different factors, including lifestyle. Um, but essentially aging is the accumulation of, of damage in our bodies. And over time, as we age, our bodies just are not as effective at um, getting that damage out of our bodies and getting rid of it. And so it accumulates, which then manifests as age-related diseases. And those age-related diseases, I mean, they're currently the top causes of death worldwide, you know, things like cancer, respiratory disorder, disorders, cardiovascular diseases, things like that. But what they found is that if we just cure one age-related disease, if we, you know, get rid of cardiovascular disease, it may be giving someone an extra two years of life because the reality is um, aging is still happening at the root cause. And so they, that person is likely to then develop another age-related disease. So we're yeah. really having to get at the root cause and affect those aging pathways to really start to extend people's lifespan and health span in a meaningful way. Um, there are speculations that 
longevity therapeutics may give someone um, an extra 30% years of life, um, but it's all speculative. I mean, I don't know if you've heard about telomeres. Um, yeah. There's a lot of research happening um, in, in telomeres and um, reading aging using our telomeres. And again, I wrote an article discussing why um, I personally am, am not going to invest in a telomere test to test my biological age because I don't think they're at their most accurate um, stage of technology just yet. However, you know, even if we have, uh, if someone has long telomeres or if we extend them, you know, maybe we'll be, they'll live until their early hundreds, but there is a limit. Um, and so that's where I think it's not going to be just one thing. We need to attack aging from all different angles. And there are nine different aging pathways that have been discovered. Um, and so we, it's going to be a combination of therapeutics. It's kind of interesting as well. Is I, the big question I have is, you know, how, how does how does all of this research and how do all these new, you know, applications or drugs or, or insights, how does that affect sort of the the sort of the national health systems across different countries like UK, Canada, US, and whatever? You know, are, 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 you know, are health practitioners, you know, the more traditional health practitioners, mm -hmm. physicians, and whatever, are they sort of taking this on board and and saying, okay? You know, th th this is valid. Um, we're going to start asking our patients to do this, and and you know, this is going to have a difference. I mean, we'll, we will need to go through a healthcare paradigm shift, I think, to really implement um, longevity as as part of a standard healthcare practice. Because you know, definitely right now our healthcare system is not set up for preventative. Uh, healthcare, right. um, it's more so around acute healthcare. You know, once you are diagnosed, okay, what can we do now to treat your symptoms and give you a better quality of life as you're living with this chronic condition? Um, so there will definitely need to be some kind of shift. Um, and right now, I think uh, it's we're seeing people kind of advocating for themselves and getting more interested in preventive yeah. health, um, but from the medical system standpoint, there will need to be some significant changes in, in how it operates. Yeah, no, again, like back to three years ago, when I was in San Francisco, I actually sat down with a doctor that was pretty on, on top of this and, and supportive of this. Uh, Dr. Oh, Molly, Molly Maloof, you've probably heard oh, of her. Oh, yes, name. yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, <laughs> in preparation for this documentary, I did. Yeah, I, we, we spent a couple of thousand dollars on different tests. I don't think I'd had so many tests done on me. Um, <laughs> anyway, so went went ahead and she li was literally looking at things that um, people, people even in the uh, in the testing center are like, why are you getting this done? You know, it's like Ooh. these things are all very specific, but that that sort of holistic view meeting, you know, you know healthcare, you know, a, a, a trained physician that, that that's working with people. And she worked very um, specifically with people about optimizing their performance and their health, not necessarily around longevity, but definitely, definitely around um, just just feeling better. But it, it's kind of interesting. I think that there, there's almost this gap. You know, if there's such a lot of opportunity to you know make people feel better and to live longer, 
then 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 there's this gap and the gap right now is around access to to the money mm-hmm. to be able to do it so it's almost like the haves and the have nots and you know is, is biohacking and the ability to maintain this performance and the things that you do and the people in your group do is it is it just for people that are that are actually got the investment uh, available got the money available to do it so is it is it going to be for rich people to to be able to use and you know the poor are still gonna like struggle with even the basics of, of feeding themselves and their families yeah that's a that's a really important question to talk about i think um because as i said there are so many free biohacks that anyone can implement just in terms of lifestyle to start to slow down their aging process um, and just live healthier for longer um, without necessarily investing in expensive technology. The exciting thing is that there is an increasing number of technology platforms and products available to help us take us to the next level. As you said, you know, there are these sort of more private access type of clinics that are more specialized that um, will work with you to um, run all these various tests and um, provide recommendations and it is expensive Um, but i think like with any technology innovation and adoption curve um, this technology will get cheaper and more accessible down the line Um, in the beginning it might be less so um, but who's to say that it won't be massively available. I mean, at the end of the day, if there's a demand, then hopefully we'll see the price go down. Um, But yeah, I mean, in terms of what you said of all the different tests, um, we, there was exciting research coming out of Stanford in the beginning of last year where they classified that we age according to four distinct ageotypes as they called them. and they use essentially in the study they (laughs) put these participants through so much profiling um, over the course of four years um, where they use proteomics um, and metabolomics um, microbial profiling of their gut transcriptomics so all the latest technology to really profile their biomarkers and see what's happening in their bodies in terms of aging. Um, And that was really exciting. The fact that, you know, we now can do this, something like this. And they found that people are typically aging um, in four pathways, which are immunity pathways, liver dysfunction, kidney dysfunction, um, or metabolism and inflammation. Mm. And the interesting thing is that certain people may only age or show the most aging or progressive aging in only one of the four pathways versus some people may have two pathways that they need to focus on or some people may be experiencing rapid aging across all four. Um, And I think that's really exciting looking into the future and how we can apply these learnings um, is that we can get that much more personalized with our approaches. You know, if someone knows their agiotype, then it gives them um, a more directive path to what they really need to focus on in terms of optimizing throughout their life. It's interesting to me as well, right? Because uh, and in, in our sort of pre-chat before this, I sort of brought up the fact that you know, there's a lot of this which is which is about good genetics, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, there there are certain parts of the world like Japan, 
has got incredibly old, you know, it's got an incredibly uh, large aging population, which is actually causing a huge amount of problems with the social security system because, you know, kids aren't having children, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But was it the, the oldest living, um, verified o- oldest living man was uh, in Japan and he lived till he was 116 years old, right? And, uh, and the oldest known living person Right. Um, I, I guess it's unverified is uh, he's 118 years old. And, and th- it's kind of crazy, isn't it, to, to think that, you know, these people have got a, an incredible amount of wisdom, but they're kind of stuck, stuck in this body. But like genetically, they're like these superhumans. And we're mm-hmm. just trying to catch up with with our own genetic deformities of, of the lineages that we have through, you know, random selection of, yeah. uh, of like who our parents are and whatever. And, and, you know, this is interesting. So I'm, I'm Northern European. Uh, I, I'm assuming your, your, your parental lineage is, is in Eastern Europe. Um, as well right so Mm -hmm. and it's very different uh, profile for people in Spain for people in 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 Asia people in Africa as well Um, so I'm I'm sort of wondering on that side of things how how does how do all these technologies try and play off of the genetic truths that we have sort of as our foundations yeah so another another interesting topic and I have a background in genetics so this part really excites me as (laughs) well (laughs) let's do it <laughs> let's dive in. Yeah, let's dive in. So, um, well, so the reality is genetics influences about 50, 54% of biological aging. Um, the other half is influenced by environmental factors, um, lifestyle, and your medical history. Um, you know, have you been in a bad car accident or, you know, something like that that, that you couldn't really uh, foresee? Um, but genetics isn't everything. Um, and I think that provides that much more hope and encouragement for what we can do. And uh, an area that really excites me is epigenetic research as well. Right. And that's um, one of the areas of longevity research right now is cellular reprogramming. Um, right. And what epigenetics is, so there's our DNA, which is our blueprint. And, you know, if you get a genetic test, it'll tell you, you know, what that blueprint is for you. And that remains the same throughout life. Um, But our epigenetics can actually change throughout life um, in response to lifestyle, environments, any stressors. Um, And epigenetics are like little tags on your DNA that essentially control which ones of your genes are suppressed or expressed in your body. Um, And it's a great control mechanism because when we're younger and we're growing up as children, we need certain genes to be expressed versus when we're adults, we may not necessarily need those same genes. We may need different genes to be expressed. And so epigenetics really um, is the control system that alters your gene expression. Um, And these epigenetic changes get accumulated throughout life. They can get passed on to offspring. Um, So they kind of may affect the genetic blueprint of your future children as well. Um, And so looking at epigenetic changes is one of the areas of research and one of the ways to even test your biological age. So a company that does this is 
um, DNAH and I've, I've done their tests <laughs> to check my epigenetic expression. Um, but the reality is that we can change our epigenetic expression um, over time with various lifestyle interventions or, you know, just how we're living our life overall, which is very exciting. And, uh, you know, that's, that's one thing, but the epigenetic reprogramming that the research that's happening um, there is looking at ways that we can actually turn back the clock using epigenetics right. um, to actually change our epigenetic expression. Um, and that's based on, so they're called the Amanaka factors and uh, um, they won the Nobel uh, Prize in 2012 um, for this research. But essentially, there, there are two main companies that are looking at this, but, you know, other clinical research happening as well, where they found four genes that can reverse aging in human cells. Um, and now this hasn't been tested in humans, but they tested this in human cells. Um, so hopefully human clinical trial research is the next step. Um, but this is very exciting because imagine, you know, taking um, a pill or, or viral vector that will essentially turn back the clock on your epigenetic expression um, back 20 years or however um, younger you want to be. So that's a very, very exciting area of uh, research and longevity that is very real as as, yeah. <laughs> as wild as it sounds, you know? <laughs> I, I don't think it sounds wild at all. And, and the reason I say that it's not wild is that two and a half years ago, I, I, I did something called The Work and it was uh, run by a woman and uh, called Gila Golub in Vancouver. And uh, she's got, there's a huge community of over a hundred people that, that have done this. And you end up being in, you know, a, a 12 to 16 person circle and you've got two people that, that look after you through you know two two weekends of two and a half days per weekend mm -hmm. going through this this basically an epigenetic reprogramming it's nlp wow. it's is using different kinds of of therapies because we we have we've got these hangovers from generations of, mm -hmm. of trauma i've seen people in breathwork sessions regress to be their grandmothers in concentration camps in poland Wow. And it sounds wild to say this, you know, and people can't can't wrap their heads around it. But the, these memories live through ourselves. Mm. But pe uh, the work of people like Bruce Lipton and whatever uh, have really like looked at like how we can change your belief systems, right? Belief systems and perceptions at the s and and it can affect you at a cellular level. So you are fitter, you are healthy, you can live longer, you no longer carry that trauma. I mean, I, it, it's like a detoxification of trauma. And I, I've, I've been doing it. I've got a life coach that, that still uses uh, the, uh, the, the methods that we use. I, I use something called uh, uh, Psych K, all right? And, and Psych K, just it's a number of techniques so that you can subconsciously change how you uh, you know react to your mm -hmm. environments and whatever and uh, in stressful times it can be incredibly useful i'm a very different person today than i was two and a half years ago not not that i was you know in 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 pieces two and a half years ago but there were some fundamental things that that, that changed in my life and now you know I've, I've got a great partner and i've got a kid and there's a whole bunch of those things that that manifested off the back of this work because of mm -hmm. you know 
worthiness and whatever. So so that that's super. I'm super super interested in this, Oksana. This is uh this is this is the stuff that I get into as a sort of an active biohacker these days. But it, it's I interesting. I think that's fascinating. What you mentioned on the sort of using psychological reprogramming. So yeah. while this research is happening at the clinical level to develop these therapeutics, um, you know there. Are, ways you can access this through these workshops that you mentioned and uh, i would love uh, please send me some links sure. i'd love to look sure. into the program that you went through yeah, um, yeah. because it's absolutely fascinating as you know why wait for these therapeutics um there are things that you can do today just you know accessing your brain and uh and your mindset yeah i, I, I in these sessions i met stage four cancer um patients or people, people with stage four cancer, I should say, that have been living with it for like seven or eight years. Um, you know, like there's, I can't say that strength of will carries you through, you know, cancer diagnoses and the progression of the disease. But there's something to be said about this strength of belief and will and dealing with, you know, the things that rip us apart from inside subconsciously because the stress that we carry that yeah. is not dealt with. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. are. The, we are sensory beings. We are physiological beings. We are sensory beings. We are psychological beings. And all of it, I think, is uh, is, is up for grabs in the scheme of things. I mean, Oksana, like, I think we need to have two or three sessions talking about this kind of stuff. <laughs> I agree. Because, I mean, you, about, so you, much to talk about. You, you fitted so much in, in in the time that we've had to talk. And um, what, what what I might do is uh, sort of have, have a chat to you and maybe we can co-author some, some blog posts or something like that um, to actually start sharing a bit more of this information. Because I, I think it's, it's really, really very important. And for anyone yeah. listening... You know, think about bio biohacking and think about, you know, what that could do with your life. And Oksana, where, where can people sort of uh, follow you and find out more about what you're actually doing in this side of things? Yeah, so I share um, all my longevity findings and tips and personal product reviews on my Instagram, Canadian Biohacker, as well as my YouTube channel. Um, and then if anyone's in Toronto, feel free to join the biohacking and longevity uh, TO group. Um, and otherwise, I'm always writing blog posts as well on my Medium channel. So just look right. up Canadian Biohacker and uh, we'll go from there. And anyone, feel free to reach out. I'm always looking to meet other like-minded people. I mean, it's part of the reason why I started the meetup group in Toronto is I, I was shocked that something like that didn't exist. And I wanted to connect with other like-minded people, but also raise awareness that hey, this research is it's happening and it's really exciting. And, you know, aging could be solved within our lifetime, which is incredible. Yeah, and it is interesting because once you start talking about biohacking, you know, people look at you from the side and, and everyone's like, sure. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 what are you, and what are you doing? And what are, even these like rising disciplines of psychedelic therapy um, and new ways of working out, uh, new ideas around nutrition and keto and all, all these things. It, it's uh, there's a, there's a lot of skepticism because culturally mm. we've been told that there's one way to you know ha one way to have the food that you that you need and one way that 
you know, to exercise and whatever. And, and biohacking literally like shatters all the perceptions and all the advice on the floor and says, okay, these are all valid, but you've got to build them in a way that works for you mm-hmm. individually because we're all very, very different. Anyway, Oksana, I'd like to say thank you so much for your time today. Um, this is fascinating to me and I need to talk to you about a project that I'm working on right now because <laughs> I, think, I, I think I need your help in a, in a couple of areas. Anyway, uh, Oksana Andreyuk. I'd like to say thank you very much. Uh, your, your work as a biotechnology scientist, a biohacker, and a futurist, of course, is important to the world. And I, I, I look forward to, to keep uh, working and chatting with you as, as things develop on your side. Thank you so much, Nick. Thanks for having me on this podcast. I've uh, really enjoyed our conversation, and uh, I hope we can continue um, the conversation further looking forward to uh, some future projects as well <laughs> cool cool absolutely thanks so much thank you Nick.